knowledge 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 is where we are so a little recap and then we fly there's so many things i have to tell you today so you get your notebooks and your pens ready as we kick start we have said that in christianity we communicate by knowledge we have said that as christians we communicate our faith by knowledge 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 and because of that we said that knowledge is a vital thing in our christian work that in our christian work knowledge is an essential commodity if you have to say that way knowledge is vital the believer cannot undermine or underestimate knowledge the believer cannot underestimate knowledge you cannot underestimate knowledge we said that knowledge is the means of our communication as believers so um, because we communicate by knowledge the believer must seek precise accurate knowledge because we communicate our faith by knowledge we as believers must seek precise accurate knowledge as believers we must seek precise accurate knowledge we must look for precise accurate knowledge it is vital that as a believer you desire you aspire to know as a believer you must aspire to know you must aspire to know and then we said it's not just knowing anything but having a precise the knowledge must be precise it must be accurate and it must be comprehensive the knowledge a believer seeks for to make it effective must be precise it must be accurate the, the knowledge the believer seeks for must be precise it must be accurate and then it has to be comprehensive for me to be effective in my christian work i must desire paul said as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word which is able to help you to grow as believers we must desire as believers we must desire we must desire we must desire you desire the word of god is very important you must sorry it's first let's look at first peter chapter 2 verse 2 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 as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word as a newborn babe that he may he says as a new believer the moment you get saved the next step after salvation is to desire knowledge he says as newborn babes that is as new in the word of god as new as a christian you must desire the sincere milk of what the word of the word of that the ye word. may grow thereby that ye may that grow, ye may thereby. grow 
So we grow, next point, as believers, we grow by knowledge. The growth of the believer is by knowledge. The growth of a believer, of the believer, is by knowledge. The growth of our Christian work is by knowledge. Our Christian growth as believers is by knowledge. And let's look at Second Peter chapter three, verse nine. Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three, verse, verse nine. nine. The Lord is not. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. Sorry, Second Peter as chapter three, verse eighteen. Counts. Sorry. Second Peter chapter three. Second verse Peter. 18. Chapter 3, verse 18. But grow in grace. He says, but grow in, in grace, which is in the knowledge in of knowledge our Lord Jesus. But and grow Savior in grace, Jesus Christ, which is in the, and in the knowledge, knowledge of our Lord Jesus and Savior Jesus Christ. Hold on. What it means is that as believers, we grow even in grace by our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Very profound. He says, you grow in grace as a believer. Your growth in grace is by your knowledge. That word knowledge there is gnosis. It's not epignosis. This one is gnosis, J-N-O-S-I-S. That is understanding. The understanding of Jesus Christ. When the believer comes to the understanding of who he is in Christ, he grows in the grace of God. That's so beautiful. Take the scripture again. Second Peter chapter three verse eighteen. Mm-hmm. But grow in grace. He says, "But the grow of our in Lord grace, Jesus. which is by you having gnosis, you having an understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior." It's it's it is important that when you understand. Who Jesus is, who you have become, who you are, you grow in grace and you grow by knowledge. So the grace of God upon your life grows by you coming to the understanding of Christ Jesus. So the believer cannot have an identity crisis is what we said. The believer cannot have the believer cannot afford an identity crisis. You can't afford it. Because your growth is dependent on that. Your grace is dependent on that. Your growth is dependent on your knowledge. Your grace is dependent on it. Very, very key. Look at Hosea chapter 6. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. Hosea. Hosea 4 6. Hosea chapter 4, the verse 6. Mm-hmm. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because My thou people hast are destroyed for lack of knowledge, of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge. Because they have rejected knowledge. So the word my people are destroyed. That word destroyed is the word captivity. My people are in captivity. Because... Not because of the demons in their house. Not because the devil is stronger. But because they lack knowledge. That is why we said, 
since knowledge is our mode of transmission, since knowledge is our mode of expressing who we are, we can't afford identity crisis. We can't afford identity crisis. We can't. That is, I cannot be sure of who I am, what Christ has done. I cannot afford not to know who I am and what Christ has done. It's very, very key. As a believer, I must know. And then again, we said that Satan, his number one mode of operation is deception. And in deception, he uses the word of God. He twists the word of God. The devil does not use fire. The, all the things we see in a year movie and whatever movie is not a description of the devil. Never. There's a wrong perception of Satan that has been painted that can't be found in the Bible. But like I said, as Bible students, you see, the Bible is our yastic for studies, and the Bible is our place of proof and knowledge. Evidence is found in the Bible. The first time the devil was ever mentioned in the Bible, the first time he appeared, actually, the activities of the devil was shown forth for the whole world to see. It was in Genesis chapter 3. And you could easily see how the devil... Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 4. Genesis chapter 3, the verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman... No, start from verse 1. At least, start from verse 1. You see, Genesis in Bible interpretation, there's the law of the first mention. The first time a word is ever mentioned, it gives you an idea of what the word is, what it entails. So the first time Satan ever came into the scene in the Bible, look at what he did. Genesis chapter 3. From verse 1. Genesis chapter 3 from the verse 1. Now mm. the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman. And he said unto the woman. Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Look at what he did. He came to question what God has said. Had God said, ye shall not eat of any tree of the garden? Uh, God never said that. God never said they could not eat of any tree of the garden. God did not say that. Watch this. Uh, let, let's go to what God said. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Verse 15 and 16. Verse so 15 you see 16. the operations of the devil. Today we read a lot of scripture. That's why I need all the people can read Bible. Plenty. We are doing Bible studies so you understand. This is when the devil, this is what God said and see what the devil did. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 and 16 shows us what God said and we'll see what the devil did. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. Mm -hmm. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every of tree of the every garden. every tree of the garden. Thou mayest freely thou eat. mayest freely eat of every tree of the garden. Thou mayest freely eat. Please underline it. This is God's word. Of every tree of the garden, you should freely eat. Okay, sixteen. Verse seventeen. 17. 
Yes. But of the tree of the knowledge of, of good the and tree evil. Of knowledge of good and evil. Thou shalt not eat of it. You should not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Why is God saying to um, Adam and Eve not to eat of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil? <laughs> for in the he day, says, day that in thou the day eatest, you eat it, death thereof thou shalt surely that day die. Of you will surely die. So this is what God said. God said they could eat of every tree, but the only tree they shouldn't eat is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. See, bra, bra, Satan. Then chapter 3, verse 1. So God has spoken. This is God's word. Eat everything freely, save the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But the day you eat of it, you will die. This is what God said. Then let's hear what Satan came to say. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now uh -huh. the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, uh -huh. which the Lord God had made. Mm -hmm. And he said unto the woman, Yea, And he said God, unto the woman, Had God said, said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. See? And so, so he comes to question what God has said, twist what God has said. As God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree, God said you should eat of everything. He said, as God said, you should not eat of anything. Uh -huh. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Uh -huh. Four. Verse 4. And the serpent and said the unto serpent the woman, ye shall not surely die. die. You will die, you will die. For God, <laughs> for God, for God does know that in the day ye I shall, in the there. day ye eat thereof, then I your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So, and when the woman saw, so, so, brass, can you see his work? He comes. This, this, so when you want to see the works of the devil, the devil comes to twist the word of God. He comes to quote God out of context. And he comes to make God a liar. So always watch the workings of the devil by anything that contradicts the word of God. You always watch the works of the devil by any word that contradicts the word of God. So God says you have eternal life. It doesn't matter who is wearing clerical and say you don't have it. Know that the devil is working through such a thing. Our perception of the devil is why he takes us for granted and he takes advantage of us. The devil comes to twist the word of God. The devil's activity is to twist the word of God, is to cause disbelief. So we know the story. Adam and Eve went ahead to eat it, meaning they doubted God to believe Satan. So anything that causes you to doubt God is what you can call the Antichrist. Christ says your sins are forgiven. Somebody says your sins are not. You'll be sitting there and say, it's the work of the devil. The devil will always want to push you out of where God has placed you. 
the devil will always sought to push you out of where God has placed you to make sure you remain on your own. The moment they listened to him, you know what happened? They left God's presence. There was a separation between God and man. So the devil will always want to cause a separation between you and God. By not what you do, by what you believe. What you believe, what God says you have, when the devil tells you you don't have, you then now use your strength to do what you already have. So guess what? God had created man in his image and in his likeness. They were already God. But the devil comes to tell them, you are not God, though. Don't believe you are God, though. He didn't make you God, though. What will really make you God, though, is when you eat of the fruit. For the Lord knows that the day you eat the fruit, you'll be like But Adam was already created. The finished work of God over the life of Adam was that he was created in the image and the likeness of God. Satan comes to cast a doubt on God's word to make Adam feel, to make Adam think, to let them doubt the promise of God. He even says you will not die. But when Adam ate, he died. They died in sin. And that is why we have redemption. Because Christ came to redeem us from the deception of the devil. And guess what? The devil has never changed his strategy. After the finished work of Christ, churches are still breaking curses. Series. They can go false seven weeks. Every Sunday, people go to church to go and learn about curses and how they are cursed. Things that don't exist. The devil will spend time making you waste your time, energy, sow seed, believe in an emotion, believe in an altar directed by a man, believe that all God's favor is on that cement block. That when you go and touch it with your forehead, that's when the power of God comes upon you. All these things are deceptions of the devil. Because guess what? If you say God is somewhere, God is not there. Who loses? God doesn't lose. God only moves by his word. So your ignorance is not God's problem. It's your problem. God remained God. He has done what should be done. He has given all to us. It is now our duty to find what Christ has done. It is now our duty as believers to find out what Christ has done. So we continue our teaching today by saying that. That is why teaching, therefore, is an integral part of Christian faith. That is why teaching, therefore, is an integral part of our Christian faith. Because our communication of our faith is by knowledge. Our opponent, the devil, is operating with ignorance. An integral part of our Christian faith is teaching. So the church is not a place. We do talent show. Because our adversary, the enemy, is running like a lion, looking whom he may devour. That's what Peter said. And how do we resist him? We resist him by the truth. So if we spend time on non-Christ things, and spend time on physicalities. When the enemy comes, we don't know how to fight the devil. When you read the Bible about spiritual warfare, you know that the devil is really working. And his work, people have imaginary things in their mind. Oh, na be ye be too, yeah. And I also that yeah, na wudidi yeah. Oh, all these things, 
Some Christians are trapped in their dream. Dream. Diet. When dream is the least form of God's communication to Christians. Dream is the least form of God's communication to a Christian. The least level God communicates to a believer. What try to be a last one. There are several ways God speaks to the believer higher than your dream. Dream is for babies. And yet, a lot of Christians, so then we organize programs. We are entering into our dream. Any dream I had. Hey! Then we are killing people in our dream. Dream. That's the work of the devil. Ignorance is what he uses to keep us in bondage so that the focal thing, churches are not concentrating on that. We are not concentrating on who we are in Christ. We don't know who we are. We don't know what Christ has done. We don't know the power we have. Rather, they tell us what we don't have. Brethren, we are in dangerous days. The enemy is working. Every day, the enemy is working. When will your God work? They want to kill your wife. They want to kill your daughter. There's a spirit over your whatever. There's a dark cloud. Ah, hey! And all these things are not of God. God does not give us fear. When the Bible says, I don't want to be ignorant of the devices of the devil, if you know what he spoke about, you'll be sad. That ignorance is killing the body of Christ. Ignorance is killing the body of Christ. So teaching, therefore, is an integral part of our Christian faith. Number two, next point, it was a major, it was major in Jesus' ministry in the four Gospels and after his resurrection. Teaching was major in Jesus' ministry and in the four Gospels and after his resurrection. We understand why. Why was teaching major? Jesus taught more than he healed the sick. He taught more than he prayed. He taught more than anything he did. Teaching was major in Jesus' ministry. In the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and after his resurrection. Very important you know that. We are going somewhere, so you have to follow me. So I've brought you from how important teaching is, how important knowledge is, and then I'm now bringing you to a place. The reason, because knowledge and ignorance are the two things that defines our Christian work. Jesus majored on teaching. Again, teaching was primary in the church in the book of Acts. Teaching was primary in the church, in the book of Acts. And very importantly, in the epistles. Teaching was primary in the church, in the book of Acts. When I talk about the church in the book of Acts, it's the first church after Jesus' resurrection. The first church that ever existed. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can find them in Acts of Apostles. So teaching was primary in the church in the book of us. And then very importantly, also in the epistles. Also in the epistles, teaching was critical. In the epistles, teaching was critical. 
teaching was very critical in Acts of Apostles. Very, very important. So understand the sequence that we communicate our Christianity by knowledge. You grow in grace by knowledge. You are in captivity by ignorance. The devil operates with deception. The believer is effective by knowledge. So because the believer's effectiveness is by knowledge, and the devil's weapon is ignorance and using deception of the scriptures, Jesus spent time teaching, teaching. And after he left, the early church also spent time teaching. So when we treat the church, you realize that there are certain key things that was common with the early church that we don't find in our church. I have pastors, pastor friends who teach 15 minutes, 10 minutes. They don't want to bore their members. If we spend more time doing other things than teaching, we are not following the manuscript that Jesus, Jesus could teach all day. Paul taught 24 hours. Obikula collapse here. You see, teaching is important because teaching empowers the believer. Teaching, it empowers the believer. Teaching empowers the believer. Let's look at these things. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 and 20. Matthew chapter 28, from verse 18 to 20. Matthew chapter 28, the verse 18 to 20. Mm -hmm. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, Jesus came and spake unto his disciples after resurrection and said to his disciples. Mm -hmm. Continue. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, Mm -hmm. All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Uh Go ye therefore and teach all nations. He says, go ye therefore and teach. Please underline the word teach in the verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. Teaching them to observe all things. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Amen. Okay, so the word teach in verse 19 is the word matatheu, M-A-T-E-M-A-T-H-E-T-E-U-O, M-A-T-H-E-T-E-U-O. T E U O M A T H E T E U O Matatio, which implies to instruct as a pupil, to instruct as a pupil. So go here into the world and instruct like you are instructing a pupil. It also means to make to learn. Make people to learn because our weapon in our Christian work is knowledge. So if our weapon in our Christian work is knowledge, the only way you would equip the soldiers of this warfare is in knowledge. So go ye therefore and instruct people as pupils 
or to make people to learn. We make people to learn. The word matatio is a common word you find in the book of Matthew. One in Matthew chapter 13, verse 52. Matthew 13, 52. Matthew 27, 57. Let's write them down. Matthew 13, 52. Matthew 27, 57. And then Acts chapter 14, verse 21. Matthew 13, 52. Matthew 27, 57. Acts chapter 14, verse 21. In the word matatio, it has a root word, matatis. It's a Greek word, M-A-T-H-E-T-E-S. Matatis, M-A-T-H-E-T-E-S. Matatis, M-A-T-H-E-T-E-S. It means a disciple. Matatis simply means a disciple. So Jesus says, go and make disciples. Disciple. A disciple is one who learns from another. 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 A disciple also is a learner or a pupil. A disciple is a learner or a pupil. Now, we'll look at these scriptures. One, Naki will read Acts chapter 6, verse 1 and verse 7. Acts 6, 1 and 7. Hassan will read Acts chapter 9, verse 19. Acts chapter 9, verse 19. And then Stephen will read Acts chapter 11, verse 26. So Acts 6, 1 and 7, Naki. Acts 9, Ask 19. And then Acts 11, 26. Then Naki, will, you come and read. My last important scripture for me is Acts 14, 22. Yes, sir. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 and 7. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. There verse arose a, a, a discord in the disciples. The word is disciples. As the church was growing, a lot of students came in. They became students of Christ. Verse 7. Verse 7. And the word of God increased. And the word and the of number, God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied. And the number of the students multiplied. People in Jerusalem. Students, they decided to learn. They don't just go to church and that's it. Go and scream, clap their hands. No. You become a disciple of Jesus. You become a student. You learn. Acts 9.19 mm -hmm. And when he had received meat, mm -hmm. he, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. Then was what? Saul so what? Certain days certain with the disciples. With the disciples. So a key word you will find 
in as of apostles is people were made disciples students the moment you got saved you became a student so we don't just get saved and start wanting to be millionaires we don't get saved and start killing witches we, we get saved then we become students of the gospel we have received you become a student of christ Stephen, Acts chapter 11, 26. Thank you, Pastor. Acts chapter 11, verse 26. Mm -hmm. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. Mm -hmm. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church mm -hmm. and thought much people. And thought much and people. They assembled themselves in a whole year. A whole year. And they taught. The word taught there is the word matatees. They made students. They made disciples out of them. That if after our churches were established and we made people students, during this lockdown, churches won't be complaining. Because everybody has been made a student who can also teach another. They made them students. Let's look at another key scripture. Acts chapter 14, 22, Naki. Acts chapter 14, verse 22. Confirming the souls of the disciples. And Confirming the them. souls of the disciples. So the souls that were won now became disciples. Matatheo, Matatis. They became pupils, students, learning of Christ. Eh? And exalting them to continue in the faith. And they and exalt them to what? Continue in the faith. And that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Mm. Amen. Next point. The word disciple was used several times to point to the fact that there was learning going on in the church. The word disciple was used several times to point to the fact that there was learning going on in the church. The word disciple was severally used to point to the fact that there was learning going on in the church. The word disciple was used several times to the point to point to the fact that there was learning going on in the church which was as a result of teaching. They didn't have praise and worship. One hour. And then Bible teaching. 30 minutes. Because they don't want the people to be done. No, 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 no. Acts chapter 14, verse 22. Stephen. Acts 14, 22. Acts chapter 14, Sorry, verse 22. Let's do Acts yes, chapter sir. 2, verse 41 and 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and verse 42. Mm. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. They that gladly received the gospel were baptized into Christ. And the same day they were and added the unto them day, about 3,000 souls. They were added unto what? Unto them, them about 3,000 souls. About 3,000 souls. <laughs> and they continued steadfastly and they in the continued, apostles' doctrine. 
diligently. They continued steadfastly. They continued seriously, diligently in what? The in the apostles' doctrine, the word doctrine there is didaskalia in the Greek. It means teaching or explanation. They continued steadfastly. When you get saved, I remember when I first got saved, they said, to see why That's the first thing that is told you, which is wrong. You teach people who they are in Christ. You tell them the authority, the power. You tell an unbeliever or a believer who just got saved to pray. How is he going to do it? You are effective when you are properly taught. So when the souls were added to the church, please read it again. Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and 42. This is the early church, and this is what the early church did. There was no pornography business. There was no... Ah, we can go to church. I remember I preached in a church in, in, in Nigeria. My God. I went to the church at 9 a.m. They told me I'll be preaching at 9.30. As at 11.30, I was still sitting there. Different singing. We called the Robo people of the church to come and sing. The Robo people came. Then Yoruba, uh, uh, dancing in Yoruba, dancing in Igbo. Oh, for... By the time it was time for preaching, they gave me my quarter to 12. The people were sleeping. I couldn't even preach for 15 minutes. No more, no more. I was tired. They were tired. We were all tired. There was nothing I could tell them because they have spent time dancing in different languages. When the Bible says in the body of Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. <laughs> We are all one, one language. There is no discrimination in the body of Christ. So some things are waste of time out of ignorance. If you want to do choreography, we'll join choreography groups. If you want to exercise, dance, we'll join, join a dancing group to dance. Yes, Sasa, those days, yes, Sasa, I used to belong to your church at Tobacco. Yes, Sasa, I want four. You do feature, no, I die, you do come, no, sorry. So we don't eat, it was, no, 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 no. And the focus was the devil, 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 magnifying the power of the devil as if our God was inferior to the devil. I thank God for knowledge. He says they continue, please continue. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Mm -hmm. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching. And fellowship. And, and in fellowship. And, they came to church. In, they were taught. And then in what? In breaking of bread and in, in breaking prayer. of bread and in prayers. So key, key in our, in, if you become a Christian, first is, is, is doctrine, teaching, understanding. There is prayer. There is fellowship. You can't be a Christian and you don't go to church. Your church is in the spirit. You have to belong to a family. You have to identify with a local church. Breaking your bread, sharing leads. Share what you have, you share with others. They broke bread, irrespective of who you are. In chapter 4, the Bible says in chapter 4, 34, it says those who were possessors of lands and houses, they sold them and brought the proceeds to the feet of the apostles. And distribution was made to people according to their need. That's Christianity. 
proper Christianity. Next point, please. So the man who had received the word, the man who has received the word, that is somebody who believes the gospel, the man who had received the word, into bracket, believed the gospel, were recorded to have continued in the apostles' doctrine. That is teaching. The man who had received the word, believed the gospel, were recorded to have continued in the apostles' doctrine. That is teaching. You continue. You don't be preached the gospel. After you are saved by the gospel, you are listening to a message that is not the gospel. The gospel saved you, so you stay in the gospel. So we have to say that an integral practice in the church in the Old Testament was believers who were taught consistently the word. You can put it this way. We can therefore say that an integral practice in the church, in the book of Acts, we can therefore say that an integral practice in the church, in the book of Acts, was that believers were taught consistently the word. So we come into what are we taught? So you can go to church and they are teaching you, but they are teaching you fear. Are they teaching you how powerful the devil is? Are they teaching you ancestral curses? I will repeat the last point for the last time. We can therefore say that an integral practice in the church, in the book of Acts, was that the believer was taught consistently the word. The believer was taught consistently the word. Naki, Philemon chapter 1 verse 6. The believer was taught consistently the word. He was taught. You must be taught. The believer was taught consistently the word. You can only be taught when you avail yourself. Oh, I have church members asking me questions over topics I've already extensively taught in church because they were not in church. Philemon chapter 1 verse 6. Philemon chapter 1, verse 6. Uh -huh. That the communication of thy that faith may become effectual. Of my faith may become effectual. Communication, which is my fellowship, my union with God, is only effective by the acknowledging of every by good the thing. Acknowledging, epignosis, acknowledging by me having precise, accurate knowledge on what topic? Of every good thing which is in Ending me, which is in you, and so the effectiveness, you, please, which is in Christ Jesus. the effectiveness of your Christian work is dependent on you having a precise, accurate, comprehensive knowledge of Jesus. Jesus is the subject. So, when you talk about Jesus, you are talking about why he died why he was buried, why he rose, where he is sitting in ascension. Why he died, why he was buried, why he rose, where he is sitting in ascension. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. 
So I have to have a comprehensive knowledge of why Jesus died. I have to have a comprehensive and accurate knowledge of why he was buried. I have to have a comprehensive and accurate, precise knowledge of why he rose. What I benefited from his resurrection. And then I have to have a comprehensive, accurate, precise knowledge on where he is sitting far above principalities and powers with me. So every good thing which is in me that is in Christ Jesus. So the subject matter is in Christ in you. So what is in Christ that is in me? The subject matter is what has Christ done and what have I benefited? You can't take it out. So if there is any subject to spend your time on as a believer, is what has Christ done and what have I become? So let's look at some of the things Christ has done and what we have benefited. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Naki. Romans chapter 8. Romans 5, 24. Romans, we are doing Romans 8, 1. Then as I will do Romans 5.24, we are going quick. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Uh -huh. There is therefore now no there condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So that the communication of your faith will be effective by your acknowledging of every good thing in Christ that is in you. One of the Who, things that makes you effective is to know that when you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. For now, therefore, based on where you are, what Christ has done, there is no condemnation for anybody who is in Christ. Now, you take the scripture again. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there sorry there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in christ jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit who Amen. walk not after the flesh but you are in the spirit when you are in christ so next point we are in christ without guilt you are in christ without guilt there is no christian that is in Christ, you can't be a Christian that you are not in Christ. There is no Christian with guilt. You can't have guilt and be in Christ. If you are having guilt, is the devil playing with you, deceiving you. The devil is deceiving you of what you are not. The moment a believer walks in guilt, you are not walking in Christ. Please write it down. The moment I walk in guilt, I am not walking in Christ. When I walk in guilt, I am not walking in Christ. As we wait for that, you give me some 31 verse 1 and 2. I'll get it for you. Let me check yes. my notes. Some 31. Yes. Verse 1 and, verse two. One and 2. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. In thee, O Lord, do, do I, put, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thy ear to me. 
Buy down thy ear to me. Deliver me speedily. I don't know why I wrote, please. Let's take, okay, I've seen your scripture. It's John chapter 5, verse 24. I don't know why I wrote Romans. I've been up bread. John 5, 24. John 5, verse 24. Aha. Uh -huh. Verily, verily, I say unto you, mm -hmm. he that heareth my word, he that heareth my word, and believeth on him, he that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life. That person has everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation. And that person shall not come into condemnation. But is passed from death unto life. That person is passed from death to life. Anybody that has believed the gospel of Christ, you have passed from death to life. You don't have, you have not come into condemnation. You have eternal life. Please note them. You have eternal life in Christ. Anybody that has believed in Christ, in Christ is eternal life. So eternal life is not a prayer point. It's not a reward. It's not something you get after you die. You have it in Christ. And you don't come to condemnation. You are passed from death to life. It is Psalm 32, verse 1 and 2. Sorry. Psalm 32, Verse 1 and 2. Psalm 32, verse 1 and 2. Uh -huh. Blessed is uh -huh. whose transgression is forgiven. Blessed is whom? Is he mm -hmm. whose transgression is forgiven. Whose sin is covered. Whose sin is covered. 2. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. Unto whom the Lord imputed not iniquity unto whom the lord imputed not iniquity god does not impute impute is to put on your account god does not put on your account your iniquities blessed is any man that god does not put continue please Iniquity and in whose spirit there is no God, and in whose spirit there is no God. Yes, now, next point this is the blessing of redemption. When you are redeemed, this is the blessing of a redeemed man. The redeemed man, his sins are forgiven, his sins are not imputed on him. Forgiveness of sin is a gift, not a reward. Forgiveness of sins is a gift, not a reward. In Christ, forgiveness of sins is a gift, not a reward. When you go and fast, and then God says, oh, okay, we'll fast in our son, then God forgives you. No, forgiveness of sin is a gift, not a reward. It is not a reward of your prayer. Even it is not an answer to prayer. Forgiveness of sins is not an answer to prayer. It is a gift. Naki, Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. 
I quote you Old Testament, then I bring you to New yes, Testament. Sir. For yes. you to know, God has never changed. He's always been like that. So in Genesis, Old Covenant, yes. okay. mm -hmm. Old Testament, sorry. Genesis chapter 15, the verse 6. Uh -huh. And he believed in the Lord. And Abraham and believed in the Lord. For righteousness. Come again. And it, and he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. So Abraham believed in the Lord, and it was counted to him for righteousness. That means Abraham didn't work for righteousness. He received it by faith. Next point. Abraham did not work for righteousness. He received righteousness by faith. Abraham did not work for righteousness. He received righteousness by faith. He received righteousness by faith. Abraham did not work for righteousness. He received righteousness by faith. Righteousness means without guilt. Righteousness, it means to be without guilt. It means to be without fault. Righteousness means to be without guilt. It means to be without fault. So Abraham was a sinner who received justification. Abraham was a sinner who received justification. Stephen, Romans chapter 4 verse 3 to 5. Romans 4, 3 to 5. Abraham was a sinner who received justification. Naki Romans 4, 25. Stephen, 3 to 5. Romans 4, verse 3 to 5. Romans chapter 4, verse 3 to verse 5. Aha. For what saith the scripture? What does the Abraham... scripture say? What does the Old Testament say? Abraham believed God, that and it Abraham was counted unto him, God, and it was counted to Abraham for righteousness. As righteousness, his belief was taken as righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward, not now anybody who works that is a reward, and you can't attack that for grace. But of and death. But it's of death. But. But to him that worketh not. But the person who doesn't work for righteousness. But believeth on him that justifieth the but ungodly. But you believe on Jesus who justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. Such a person, your faith is counted for righteousness. So anybody, just like Abraham, every believer in Christ, we are counted as righteous by virtue of our belief in Jesus. Romans chapter 4, verse 25. Uh -huh. Who was delivered for our offenses? Jesus and was, was delivered for our, for our offenses. Jesus, our Savior, he was delivered for our offenses. So Jesus, don't forget, the word delivered there is his death. You know, God, who did not spare his son, but delivered him, that is giving him to die. So Jesus died for our sins and what? 
and was raised again for our justification. Who was delivered for our so offenses. So what it is is that Jesus' death handled our sins and his resurrection dealt with our justification. Justification means to be declared without fault or guilt. To be declared you have a right standing with God. So every believer must know that the death of Jesus was to deal with our offenses, our sins. And his resurrection is to deal with our being made righteous. Even Romans chapter 5 verse 1. So we are coming from Romans chapter 4, 25, which is the last verse of Romans chapter 4. And the last verse says that Jesus was, he died for our sins and he was risen for our justification. So chapter 5, verse 1 is a continuation. The Bible was not written with chapters and verses. You could have read it together. So Stevie, read it and let's go. Romans 5, 1. Uh-huh. Therefore, being justified by faith, so, so when he we have peace with God. When he uses therefore, he's talking from, it's a connection. So because Jesus' death paid for your sins, and his resurrection has given you righteousness for free. Therefore, you being have justified, been justified by faith, by your faith in Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus through Christ. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you having wholeness and completeness in union with God is because of what Jesus did. So my completeness and my union with God is because of what Jesus did, his death and resurrection. Christians, we think when we say peace, peace, shalom, we think peace is when two people are fighting that together. Peace is wholeness, complete. <laughs> we have complete. So what he says is that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we are complete with God. And we have a right standing. The beer touching now also. There's nothing wrong with the believer. Next point. So by faith in the gospel, you are declared righteous. By faith in the gospel. The moment the gospel is preached to you and you believe it, that moment you are declared a righteous man. By faith, by faith in the gospel, you are then declared a righteous man. This means you are without guilt before God. This means you are without guilt before God. It means you are without guilt before God. So we said that there cannot be an unrighteous new creature. There cannot be an unrighteous new creature. It can't happen. There can't be an unrighteous new creature. There can't be an unworthy son of God or a guilty joint heir with Christ. There can't be an unrighteous new creation. There can't be an unworthy son of God. There can't be a guilty joint heir with Christ. Even 1 Corinthians 6, 11. Naki 1 Corinthians 1, 30. And then Hassan, 1 Peter 2, 9. That one is in King James. 
1 Peter 2 9. So, first one is 1 Corinthians 6 11, amplify. Second one is 1 Corinthians 1 30, amplify your voice. Thank God. First Corinthians chapter six, verse six, six eleven, verse eleven, and such were some of you. He said, "And such were some of you." But you are you were washed. But you were washed by the atoning sacrifice of Christ. By the atoning, so some of you. When you read the verse ten, he talks about no fornicators. No idolaters who enter the kingdom of God. Then he says, but such were some of you. But ye are what? Washed. Not ye are changed. You are washed. But ye are by washed. And how were you washed? You were washed by what? The atonement. Sacrifice of Christ. Are you reading Amplified? My Amplified is different from yours. So let me let me read the Amplified Classic. Aha. Uh-huh. Classic. You are in a classic Thank world. Thank you, sir. Uh-huh. <laughs> and such some of you were once. And such some of you were once. But you were washed clean. But you were washed what? Clean. As a believer, you have been washed clean. Cabbage inside you. Please hold on, hold on. As a believer, I must have it inside me that I have been washed clean. I have been washed clean. What does it mean to be washed clean? Continue. Purified by a complete atonement for sin. He says purified by a complete atonement for sin. And made free from the guilt of sin. And I have been made free from the guilt of sin. This is Yamiyase. Continue. And you were consecrated. And you were consecrated. What does it mean to be consecrated? Set apart and you holy. have been set apart, you have been made holy, uh-huh. and you were justified, and you were justified, pronounced righteous. You were what you were pronounced righteous. So, righteousness to the believer is a pronouncement, righteousness to the believer is a pronouncement. You were pronounced righteous. By trusting in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit of our God. As simple as that. The moment you trusted Jesus, you were pronounced righteous. Please, uh-huh. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, the Amplified Classic Edition. Can you go to Hebrews 2, verse 11? Amplified. Now, can you read 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30? Amplified Classic. You have got... 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. But it is from him that you have your life in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Uh-huh. But it is from him. But that it is from you, Jesus that you have your life. You have made, you have your life in Christ Jesus. Uh-huh. Whom God made our wisdom from God. God made our wisdom from God. It's Jesus who. Uh-huh. Revealed to us a knowledge of the divine plan of salvation. God has revealed to us a divine plan of salvation to us. Previously uh-huh. hidden. It was a previously it was previously hidden. Manifesting itself as our righteousness. Mm-hmm. Thus making us upright 
and putting us in right standing with God. Salvation puts you in right standing with God. Salvation puts me in right standing with God. The moment I got saved, I was put in right standing with God. Salvation put me in right standing with God. My goodness, I love the word of God. And our consecration, make, making us pure and holy. Making us, so God is the one who makes us pure and holy. And, and our redemption. Uh-huh. Providing a ransom from eternal penalty from for sin. So Jesus, a- by God, provided our ransom for the eternal penalty for sin. God made Jesus one. God made Jesus our life. Please write it this way. One, God made Jesus our life. Two, God made Jesus our wisdom. So the knowledge of divine salvation that was hidden through Jesus is now revealed to us. God made Jesus our wisdom. Three, God made Jesus our righteousness. That's because of Jesus, we have right standing with God. So by Jesus, we have eternal life. By Jesus, we have divine wisdom. By Jesus, we have been declared righteous, having right standing with God. Again, by Jesus, we have been consecrated. And consecration means we have been made pure and holy. So by Jesus, we have been made pure and holy. And finally, by Jesus, our redemption he has provided the ransom for eternal penalty for our sins. By Jesus, our redemption, he has provided the ransom from eternal penalty for our sin. So Jesus is our penalty for our sin equals to our redemption. Jesus is our holiness, is our consecration, he's made us holy. Jesus is our righteousness. He's made us have a right standing with God. God can never get angry with a believer. Jesus is our wisdom by making us see these things that the people of old didn't see. And then finally, Jesus has been made our life. So the life that I have in the flesh, I live not by myself. I live by the life of the Son of God. I'm concluding. Henceforth, Peter can boldly call you holy. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter 2, 9. 1 Peter 2, 9. Uh-huh. But ye are a chosen generation. He says, but you are. Don't let anybody deceive you. You are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. You are a royal priesthood. And holy nation. You are a holy nation. A holy nation. A peculiar people. A peculiar people. That ye shall show forth the praise of him. That you should show forth the praise of him who had called you out of darkness. Into his marvelous light. Into his marvelous light. So you have to say to yourself, I am a holy nation. You shouldn't be shy of it. 
The same as the writer of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1. Hebrews 3 1. Yeah, God. Wherefore, holy brethren. Wherefore, holy brethren. Partakers of the heavenly calling. Partakers of the heavenly calling. Hebrews chapter Wherefore, 3 verse 1. Brethren. Wherefore, holy brethren. Partakers of the heavenly calling. Consider the apostle and high priest. Consider the high priest and apostle of our profession. Christ Jesus. Oh, Christ Jesus. So you are a holy brother. And you are a holy brother by Jesus Christ. Jesus calls you holy. Hey. My last points are strong, so you have to write them if possible in character, in capitals. God's children are born with a holy seed. God's children are born with a holy seed. God's children are born with a holy seed. His spirit is holy. God's spirit is holy. So the seed that gave birth to you is holy. So God's children are born with a holy seed. His spirit is holy. His children are born of his spirit. So they are holy. God's children are born with the Holy Seed. His Spirit is holy. His children are born of His Spirit. Therefore, they are holy. In Christ, we are made righteous without fault before our God and Father. Ephesians 1 verse 4. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. Ah. According as he had chosen us in him mm -hmm. before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame. He before... has chosen us before the foundation. Before you were even born, you were chosen that you should be. He didn't say that you should act holy. You should be. You should be. Holy and without blame before him in love. So we are we, we are without blame before God. Stephen Colossians 1 22. Colossians 1 verse 22. Mm -hmm. Yet now has Christ the Messiah reconciled you to God. Hold on, hold on. Colossians 1 22. Colossians. King James. Uh-huh. Colossians 1.22. In the body of his flesh. In the body death, of his flesh. Through, through death, death. To present, present you, holy, you holy. And unblameable. And unblameable. And unreprovable in his sight. Oh. So through the body of his flesh through death. And Jesus through death is presenting you and I. Holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. So what presents you holy is what Jesus did with his body. So when he says, be thou holy, he's not saying, go and buy somewhere. What he has made you present yourself as a holy sacrifice. Because that is how he has made you. In Christ, through the death of Christ, you have been made holy unblameable you can't be blamed 
So you must be bold about who you are in Christ. You are a believer, a recipient of the gift of righteousness. Please write it. You must be bold about who you are in Christ. You are a believer, a recipient of his gift of righteousness. You are a recipient of the gift of righteousness. As a believer, you have received the gift of righteousness. As a believer, you have received the gift of righteousness. I'm closing. Romans chapter 5 and 17, my last scripture. Romans 5, 17. As a believer, you have received. You are a recipient of the gift of righteousness. Romans 5, 17. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Aha. For if by one man's For if offense, by one man's offense, Adam, first Adam. Death reigned by death one. Death by one. Much more they which receive. Much more they who received what? Abundance of grace. Abundance of grace. What is that grace? Which is and the, of the gift, gift of righteousness. Which is the abundance of grace, which is the gift of righteousness, shall reign in life, shall reign in by, life one, by one Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. So righteousness is a gift we received unmerited favor for. Free gift. Righteousness is a free gift. It is never end or reached or achieved. Righteousness in Christianity is a free gift. It is never end or reached or achieved. Oh, I'm sure this is my last point. Righteousness is a free gift. It is never end or reached or achieved. Righteousness in Christ is a free gift. It is never end or reached or received or achieved. Sorry. It is never end. It is never reached. You don't reach a place of righteousness. You don't achieve righteousness. Rather, you receive. You receive. You receive righteousness. So rather than confess sin, confess the gift of righteousness. Rather than confess sin, confess the gift of righteousness. So he says, Father, I beg you, forgive me my sins. Say, Father, I thank you for the gift of righteousness. I thank you that I have right standing with you. So righteousness is a free gift. It is never end or reached. Or achieved, it is received. Receive is lambano. You take it. So rather than confessing, you confess the gift of righteousness. See, we have from Romans 10, 10. Yeah, point. Romans chapter 10, verse number 10. Mm-hmm. For with the heart... For with the man believeth unto righteousness. Believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth. And with the mouth. 
Confession is made unto Confession salvation. Confession is made unto salvation. So you believe that gospel and you receive his righteousness. When you believe the gospel, you receive his righteousness. You believe the gospel, you receive his righteousness. It's an ability to stand before God, our Father, without a sense of guilt, sin, shame, weakness, or inferiority. That's the last point. You believe the gospel and you receive his righteousness. You believe the gospel and you receive his righteousness. That is the ability to stand before God, our Father, without a sense of guilt, sin, shame, weakness, or inferiority. You believe the gospel and you receive his righteousness. The moment you believe in the fact that Jesus died, rose again from the dead, that moment you receive his righteousness. And because you have received his righteousness, you now have the ability to stand before God your Father without a sense of guilt, sin, shame, weakness, or inferiority. Hallelujah!